The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Fascinating interviews and compelling conversations. Be present. The Diane Ray Show. Hello, everyone. Welcome. I'm so glad you can join me for the conversation today. I'm very excited to share my guest with you, especially with the holidays just right around the corner, barreling towards us. Many of us are going to have to deal with traveling home and engaging in family events. So this is all perfect timing. You know, we've got Thanksgiving coming up, Christmas dinners, other events. And I know some people listening to this will probably be shivering just, oh my God, I don't want to deal with this. You know, but this is the kind of reaction people get sometimes with having to go home and and deal with family. So I found my guest today after having a conversation with one of my really good friends about her toxic relationship with her brother and the pain that it was causing her. And this is really sad. I mean, she was in tears talking about this. So after the conversation, I kind of looked around and I was looking at my friends and, and their different relationships and issues. And I noticed that almost all of my friends were dealing with some kind of toxic family situation, even my husband, even myself, although I discovered after reading my guest's book that the, my person in question is more flawed than toxic, but we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more. So I'm scrolling through my Instagram feed and like magic, an ad for the book, but it's your family cutting ties with toxic family members and loving yourself in the aftermath by Dr. Sherry Campbell showed up in my Instagram feed. So I looked at the comments and I realized what a big issue this is. And it doesn't seem like people are really talking about it. So I immediately contacted Dr. Campbell's PR team and here we are <laughs> and Yay! here she is. <laughs> Yay. So I just, I wanted to welcome her. I'm really happy that she can talk to me about this. I read the book and I really hope you check it out. It's so powerful and healing. And Dr. Sherry Campbell is a nationally recognized expert in clinical psychology. She's a former contributor to the Huffington Post, is a regular featured expert on radio and television, and also had her own show, I found out. So welcome, Dr. Sherry, to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I love uh, the opportunity to serve and help other people in an issue that very few people really talk about. That's so true. Is it okay I call you Dr. Sherry, by the way? I just absolutely. kind of Absolutely. That's what everyone that calls out. me. So that's absolutely fine. <laughs> okay. I just wanted to make sure. Um, yeah, like I was saying in the intro, um, you know, I've, I've got friends all around me confiding in these different issues, whether it's mother, father, siblings. We're going to talk about that. And I realized it, it's just such a big problem that really doesn't get discussed. And I saw just the amazing amount of response that you were getting on your Instagram ad for the book. So, yeah, I'm really glad that that we can talk about this. And you come to this work with firsthand experience about toxic family relationships. And you were a victim of what you call in the book emotional rape for years, Mm -hmm. which led you to completely cut off family ties with your parents and your sibling. And can you tell us a, a little bit about what your experience was and you know, put it into context? Yeah, I I just grew up in in a home where my mother was very emotionally unavailable, but very passive aggressive. So very difficult for me 
to confront a look of disgust or a tone of voice. And my dad was more overtly toxic. My sibling and I were close as kids, but as as he has grown, he's sort of taken on the traits of both of my parents. And he was a golden child all through our childhood. So I think life on some level was somewhat easier for him where I was scapegoated. I was the bad kid, the burden, the, the one they didn't want, you know, um, and that was very clear, the difference in treatment. And so it was challenging. And both of my parents married multiple times, four times each. And so my life was consistently changing um, and I was not being taken care of emotionally at all. And, and, um, and if anything was the opposite, you know, a passive aggressive person will like to provoke you to get a reaction, then you react and they become the victim. So my whole life, I just felt, felt totally head spun and I didn't feel who I was or what I needed was important as they continued to divorce and marry and divorce and marry that had a huge impact on me. And, um, I just really got lost and, and, and got angry and, and continued to want their love. And that love was never going to be there for me and still isn't today. That's just so painful. Just you recounting that. And can you give us some other specific examples? I mean, you mentioned a few behaviors of your mother and your father and people that are listening. And what I think is interesting about this specific topic is that when you talk about toxic behavior and treatment, I think so often people just sweep it under the rug or they try to rationalize it. And, and I guess, and you spent years, I guess, trying to do this and rationalize years. it. Like, well, it's my family, you know, why would they treat me this way? Or is this really, is this really toxic behavior? So let's really narrow down some specific examples of the types of okay, things people so exhibit. When I was, when I was seven, my dad was tickling me. And like any child, you wiggle a lot when you get tickled. And my wiggling, apparently, I accidentally kicked him in the face. And he cursed at me and told me that I had hit him. And I felt terrible. So I told him he could hit me back. And he bloodied my face. Wow. And that, I never toxic. had a bloody nose at that point. I was only seven. And so I was in such shock that I, I couldn't believe the way it tasted or and it was going down my face toward my ear and it was warm. <laughs> you know, it's strange what you remember when you're in fight or flight. And he went into the kitchen. He had put some ice in a towel and he put me on the couch and he put the ice on my face, but he went down the hall and locked himself in a room. And so I was convinced it was my fault. I had wiggled too hard and I felt bad. I felt bad. He didn't. And I went down the hall and I heard him upset in the room. He locked me out. And when I went in, he told me that if I told anyone that he would go to jail. So no apology. I left carrying his shame, feeling it was all my fault. And that's just one example of, of how I was treated by him. But I think that kind of gives the flavor. And right. um, there were incidences like that, um, not always where I was hit, but, you know, instances where I couldn't predict him, something fun would turn into something terrible in an instant. Um, and then, you know, my mother is a mean girl. And I'm a girl and I don't know that I really feel like she even likes girls. <laughs> but she's a mean girl. Gossip was a big thing. Um, I was always being gossiped about. I could see her adore my brother and I would come around and she would sort of fake love me because she had to. Uh, she's harder to prove and she was harder for me to let go. 
um, because I always kept auditioning for her approval, but never really quite getting there. And that's how she designed it. And so those, and those things are challenging because, you know, when we don't belong to the family, we don't belong to the most important social group that we could ever have. And it's a very dangerous hurt because it has the potential to break your heart and break your spirit, which it did for me. It totally disconnected me from feeling as if I were worthy of anything. And these wounds run so deep. I mean, I'm just thinking of comments that I've heard from friends of mine that I just cannot believe. I mean, I, I have one friend whose mother told her, look, I just don't like you. You know, it's like flat, like, who says that? And I, I have another friend yeah. whose mother, whose mother said, you know, and, and this is what she remembers from childhood. I'm just waiting for you to leave the house so I can live, live my life, you know, <laughs> get out so I can live my life. And these wounds are just so deep. And the ramifications of that over the years, like you, you see how people act out where, where these yeah. wounds cause you you know, cause further pain in your relationships on down the road. And it's just so unbelievable. Um, and the one, another powerful thing you said in the book, you say toxic people can't be cured. And I guess you, it took you a long time to kind of come to that conclusion. So yes. I guess we have to just realize they are toxic and then take those yeah. steps. So what, what did you mean by that? They can't be cured, can they? No, they can't, unfortunately. And I think that we, because they give intermittent doses of kindness as a part of their abuse, because abuse does not work without it. If you're constantly abused, you will leave. Okay. But if doses of intermittent kindness or feigned love are given, all of a sudden you have a little bit of hope again that maybe they are changing or, or maybe you were too something. You're always blaming yourself. So the reason that they can't change, and this took me years and years of research, and, and I have a PhD in psychology, right? And not much of that education helped me to understand that the depth of, of narcissism or borderline histrionic, you learn the definitions, but really until you live with a cluster B personality, and instead of listing all of those in my book, I just use the word toxic, because if you have traits of one, you're going to have traits of all of them. Um, but... They can't be cured because they have no insight and they don't see anything wrong with what they're doing. And if they do something wrong to someone else, but it meets their need, then they, they think that's justifiable. So if you can't see inside yourself or you just don't care, right, about the consequences that you have on other people because your needs are being met, then there's really no need for them to change either because what they do works. It works for them. And many of us on the other side of them feel like they get away with everything. <laughs> and, you know, we get away with nothing and they get away with everything. And on some level, do they? I mean, maybe, but they aren't having close connections or the meaningful things in life. And the reason that they don't change is because they don't care about that either. They just don't care. So, so they're, they're not looking like for connections. They're looking for That's control. sociopathic, right? In a way? So, absolutely, yes. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, because if wow. you don't care, now they care greatly about what happens to them. They just don't care what happens to you. For example, if you poke and poke and poke a dog and the dog bites you, the narcissist or the toxic person will blame the dog. 
when really right. who's responsible for the bite? If you're tormenting the dog and the dog protects itself, like a child stands up to the parent, the parent will say the child is abusive and just delete all the provoking that they did to get the reaction. Because they and don't they just care. don't see it. Yeah. Then yeah. Not, and nothing you can do will cause no. them to care. They just really, there's, there's some component, something that's missing that they just don't care. And a lot of times the result of that is you blame yourself. And, and that's yes. what happened with, with my friend where her mother was saying, well, I, I wish you, you know, you could just leave so I can live my life. And she is, I've seen just a, her, a lifetime with her of, of self-blame, of blaming herself that she was not worthy. Yeah. And, and, and that's that, what happens you know, a lot of times. That's what happens. I've actually finished part two of this book. So there will be book two coming out in uh, April of 2021. So that book is going to be, but it's your family part two, right? However, I choose to title it, but it's untangling the seeds of self-doubt. And we are leaving childhood with zero confidence, with uh, no idea of our worth. We tend to attract more toxic people into our lives because we become pleasers in many ways because we've learned to consistently audition for love. Love should have just been a given, but in toxic families, it's given and taken away like you put on a jacket if you're hot or cold, right? So there are so many things that consume us. And the other thing that we do is we know somewhere in us that we're right. So we, when we go to stand up for ourselves, we have this idea that if I just say it in the right way at the right time with the right PowerPoint and the right facts, there's no way they won't get it. And you can go in and you can do all that and you'll leave going, maybe I used the wrong tone of voice at the wrong time with the wrong PowerPoint. And so you keep trying and trying and trying and they'll never validate you. And they know you're right, but they don't care. They don't wow. care. And that's important to understand, right? They know. So they, they know. these people, they know that, that's, that it's wrong, but they just simply don't care. And that, I guess that's yes. the bitter pill, right? Yes, they just don't care. They don't care about anybody but themselves. Now, they'll, they'll care if you react to them and you bite them, like say the dog bites, right? They'll care that you bit them. But, and they, in, in their mind, there's nothing that they could have done that should have made you that mad. So no matter what, it's still your fault. They minimize their part and overfocus on your reaction, in other words. You just can't win. There's, you can't there's win. no way. No. I'm talking yeah. with Dr. Sherry Campbell about her book, But It's Your Family. And if you're listening, we are live and we can take some calls if you want to join the conversation. 816-251-3555 is the number if you feel so moved to share your story. So, so many powerful things jumped out at me as I read this book. And I'm so glad to hear that part two is in the works and will come out because yes. I think you just scratched the surface on this. I um, did. And yeah. I wrote this book in eight weeks. Um, I was asked to write it and I was really concerned on if I wanted to write it or not because I have been given not another choice if I want to be healthy but healthy but to cut ties with with my toxic family and I didn't want to invite more chaos into my life with the writing of this book and I don't even know if they know it's out or not I don't really care anymore um, but because it's helping so many people, I feel like I could face anything they'd throw at me anyway at this point if they did, right? But as I've been healing in the aftermath of cutting ties, I didn't really have 
I was naive at the writing of this book to think that my abuse would stop because I cut ties and that has not happened. It has continued. So um, I'm learning, I, I, I'm giving people the skills on how to deal with the aftermath and the people that they will engage to fight their battle for them. And also what happens when they cut you out of trusts and other things, which I've gone through all of these things. And they hoover on holidays, which I talk about in that book um, that we ha we're talking about today. But self-doubt is just crippling when you are raised in a family like this and figuring out how to be confident. And so what I'm teaching in the new book is confidence is never going to be something I naturally have because I never had a stable base, right? But I have learned that confidence is something that I can do. And it's right? something that so, you can build, right? Is it like strengthening yes. a muscle? Yes. It's like, I know for me, a formula is if I'm prepared, I'm more confident, right? The more prepared I am for anything, this interview or a TV show or something else I've done, the more prepared I am, the more confident I am. So I will use preparedness as a way to, to feel confident, right? So there are ways. It's not that we have to live our whole lives feeling unworthy. There are ways that we do, but we have to go about it a different way because it's never going to naturally be there. Things such as confidence, self-worth, those aren't going to naturally be there when you've been parented away from that stuff. But there's ways that you can have it. And um, and there's still, it's, it's, it's if anything, maybe sometimes even more meaningful when you just really are doing it on your own. Well, what's so hopeful and affirming and, and what I got from the book and kind of the redemption at the end is what people will discover is you, it, it's okay for you. Not only is it okay that sometimes you're going to have to cut these ties because in conversations I've had with people about this subject when they've confided in me their problem with their their mother, father, sibling, or whatever. They're like, but it, but it's my my brother, it's my my mother. I can't do that. It, you know, like there's the the guilt of what of what they know that they have to do but don't want to do because it's just so painful. And what you show yeah. in the book is that you not only can you do it a lot, many times you should do it, and that you can move on and be yes. healthy and happy and, and achieve happy. loving relationships. Yes. And also it's the healthiest thing you can do for them. So I don't like my family, but I don't not love them. I love them. I don't like them. Right. Um, it doesn't have to be black and white. You know, I cut ties cause I didn't feel like I had any other choice. I was either going to stay in a burning building or I was going to jump for my sanity and have a chance at having a good life and healing. I was never gonna be able to heal in the environment that was poisoning me every day. It's just not possible. Um, and this book is very triggering for other people. You know, there are other people that just think I'm destructive and destroying families and destroying people. And, and it's like, I, if the family's already destroyed and dysfunctional, I the only thing I can do that I would have the power to do is to encourage someone to leave toxicity, right? But then they get the chance to heal the family that they raise and never repeat those horrible patterns, right? So I feel like I'm saving families and saving people. But I know that there are many, this ruffles many feathers on a religious level and other things, right? And what you said it exactly, the reason my book is called But It's Your Family is because people go, but it's my brother, but it's my mother. Society will say, but it was your mom. You're going to regret that someday. I mean, you hear the craziest things and they don't really have any idea what you lived 
that what you have is relief. If you allow yourself to be the target practice for an abusive person, you're giving them an opportunity to practice being a better abuser. How is that healthy for them either? I mean, if you right. truly love somebody, you will want them to learn from the consequences. I certainly want my child to learn from the consequences that she has. I don't go to school and rescue her if she doesn't get a good grade on something. She has to work harder, right? And we figure it out together. We get a tutor or whatever. But if we just allow ourselves to be a whipping post, how are we helping that toxic person grow? We're helping them grow into a better abuser. If we truly love them, like we love our children, we will give them consequences. And oftentimes it's gonna be the loss of the relationship with you. Each time someone goes no contact with their family, that family has the opportunity to say they're sorry, go to therapy and make amends. No one's holding them back from that. Right. But like you said earlier, they just don't care. So a lot of times that ever. won't happen. Yeah, it won't right. ever. And you can make yourself and what I did for years. So I want to give hope to the listeners is as long as I thought I was the problem, I was actually safer because I felt some false level of control that if I was the problem and I fixed myself that someday my life would be better, that they would love me. And after 45 years, I realized like there is not enough change I could possibly do because I've tried everything that's ever going to make her love me. And that was very painful for me because when I realized I wasn't the problem, I also lost all my power to fix it because I can't change her or my dad or my brother. I can't change them. Right. And then, but that doesn't make you less worthy of love from other people. No way. That's such an important thing. And I think you're doing a huge service. And yep. I mean, I've had that conversation so many times with people where they'll make that excuse. Oh, it's my mother. It's my, it's my brother. That doesn't give anyone the right to no abuse you, you know, to rip you Nobody down. That yeah. No one, I am whether it's your mother or father. That's right. I'm not a religious person, but I treat many people that are. And many of them will stay because the Bible says this or the Bible says that. And so my editor, I'm very blessed, is very biblically literate. And I, you know, could not imagine that any book anywhere with a God that is loving would have any child abused in any way by anyone. And um, we were able to go through, he was able to help me go through and find, you know, verses that actually completely support that. Because I didn't want to leave out a demographic, although I don't identify as religious, I treat and love so many people that do. And their trap, I was like, that's spiritual abuse. <laughs> you know, it's right. like, if you have a God telling you that you have to stay abused to be a good person just because they're your family, then what kind of God are you believing in? You're believing in an abuser. Right, right. right. No, and that wouldn't like, be a God I would want to believe in. Thank you. Me either. And so I wanted to help other people be set free from being stuck in a relationship out of guilt, obligation, or the fear of like punishment from some superior being. Right. And so I even address that in the book because that's a whole demographic too, that needs a lot of help. I found that so interesting, that chapter. I think this is going to be such a revelation for so many people that read this. So I really hope that people give it up um, or, or, you know, give up their fears and, and pick it up <laughs> is what I meant to say yeah. and, and read yeah. this because it's going to help 
so many people and especially as we go into the holiday season and we're kind of a lot of times forced into you know these yes. family situations you know that that's a whole other show we might have to have that you come a back whole other show that we could absolutely do because <laughs> there's a bunch of strategies around that you know it, it, through my book too I talk about there's varying levels of contact and I've tried all of them um and I think it's important that you don't just go cut ties I think it's a process more than an event because when it's when it's a process I'm totally sure about what I did if I had impulsively done it maybe not unturned every stone, I could have all kinds of doubts and worries that I don't have because I took the time to do the full process. And I do encourage people to do that because, you know, at the end of the day, this is this this should have been the most important and safe social group that we belong to. And so when you're sure that it will never change, you get to make a decision like this and not have any guilt. I don't have an ounce of guilt. I am feeling free and I think, I imagine they are also happier not having me around on some level because I'm not calling them on their dysfunction all the time, right? Or <laughs> so, maybe unhappy yeah, that you're, you're not there to kick around anymore. I'm not there to abuse anymore. That's right. And, um, and I don't, and they abuse me anyway. They, 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 they still have their ways. They know my home address. So some interesting things happen for me around the holidays, but not 365 other days of the year, you know, it's pretty see-through. And you offer strategies on, on how to deal that and deal with that. And like you said, it is a process. And yeah. if maybe in some, you know, stretch of the imagination that if that person, I mean, if people are self-aware, they can be capable of change. Maybe, Absolutely. You know, and a lot of, you know, a lot of times these are cycles of abuse where that person was, yes treated like crap and abused for years and so on and so on. So not to say that there isn't hope that that could change, but like you said, you went through your, you did your work, you went through years and years of, you know, twisting yourself like years. a pretzel. I mean, 45 years, right? I didn't just bail out at 18. I, it, it took 45 years. So again, it's also never too late. Right. Um, and I can only say that my life has improved a billion trillion percent since cutting ties because I'm not being abused every day and I'm self-aware I came out of a horribly toxic family and I'm self-aware so you can be it's learning to listen to your gut and what you know to be true because you know toxic people are notorious for gaslighting and confusing you about what was really said or how it really went down they rewrite history they flip the script and at the end of the day you are the bad guy right we're going to talk more about that. This is, this is such powerful stuff. Um, we'll be right back taking a, a short break here on unityonlineradio.org, talking with Dr. Sherry Campbell about her book, But It's Your Family, Cutting Ties with Toxic Family Members. We'll be right back. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The Voice of an Awakening World. Welcome back to Be Present, The Diane Ray Show. Welcome back, everybody. I'm glad you could join me after the break. 
And you heard the number there if you'd like to join the conversation, 816-251-3555. Right now we're live, but that's okay. If you want to listen later to the podcast, this material is so important, and I'm so happy that I'm having this conversation today talking with Dr. Sherry Campbell about her book, It's Your Family. But it's your family. Cutting ties with toxic family members. You can do it. It's possible. So a great line in the book that has stuck with me since I read this, I love this. It should probably be tattooed on people. Loving someone doesn't always mean having a great relationship with them. And forgiveness doesn't always mean reconciliation. I love that. I mean, that just struck me, you know, full force. Yeah, I really struggled when, when people would say, oh, if you don't forgive, you're going to hold a bitterness in your heart and blah, blah, blah. And I just didn't feel bitter. I, I, I felt relieved and I thought, gosh, what's wrong with me? I mean, should I? And I don't forgive them. What they did was unforgivable. And so what I differentiate in my book is the difference between forgiveness and acceptance, right? Acceptance, in my opinion, is actually much harder. But I can't forgive somebody who's not sorry, So forgiveness is an act of mercy that we gift to another person who's truly sorry for hurting us. And if someone isn't sorry, then then forgiveness doesn't, I'm not gonna give that gift because I think forgiveness is for the other person. It's something you do for them to relieve them of their debt. What I have to do for me is acceptances for me. And this was painful. I had to accept them for exactly who they were knowing they would never love me enough to change even though i was their daughter that hurt that hurts that will hurt for my whole life right but in accepting them for who they are and not wanting them to be or not needing them to be different there may may be days i want them to be different but it keeps me out of hope because hope for years was my dope and that hope got me re-abused and more abused and i was forgiving them and setting myself up every time I forgave for more abuse. So forgiveness doesn't always mean reconciliation and not everything in this world is a forgivable act, but as long as you can accept these people for who they are, truly accept that they're not going to change, now you have freedom. So acceptance is something that you do for you. Forgiveness is something that you do for someone else if they're worthy of it. Wow, I love that because I I totally agree with you. And I've just seen so many people twist themselves up over the concept of forgiveness. And and like you said before, a lot of it kind of comes from, you know, what you're taught uh, in your spiritual life growing up that everybody is worthy and and you should forgive and you're doing it for yourself and all of that. And that's a hard thing, I think, and and causes people so much pain when they, they want to, you know, like intellectually, they want to forgive. They're like, okay, I'd like to forgive this, but yeah, I mean, I just, I don't see how, how that's possible sometimes. And, and it doesn't mean reconciliation, but what about, no. would you, I mean, you, you, so you wouldn't even think of, okay, if, if you're really, you know, hanging yourself out to dry over things over the years, forgiveness of yourself, like, you know, I, I let yeah, I give myself important. permission to, you know, let yeah. go of this. And yes, that's important. When I had to also go there, but you know, I'm, I'm their child. So it's like, I don't need to forgive myself for wanting my parents to love me, right? And I don't feel, um, I stayed in that dynamic as long as I could and as healthy as I could for me really trying. 
there have been moments that I've been like, I just should have done this a long time ago because I, I'm, I am happier. Um, but I just wasn't able, right? I wasn't there yet. It's, it's so hard. It's not like you're leaving a sock. You're leaving the most important social group you can possibly belong to, the one that would be the most unconditional. If you think about that, what other social group would you ever run across in this world that would be as important as family? Right. There isn't one. Okay, and so it's sad when you, to come to that realization, yeah. right? Horrible. Horrible. That was the most painful thing for me. And, you know, grieving will probably be a process I'm involved in for the rest of my life. There are obviously moments that we are all going to want that support group. You know, um, I don't have cousins. I don't have a family really at all. It's very small. So I'm really out here on my own, you know, doing this thing on my own. And there are times that that is very daunting. Like there's no one to catch me if I fall but me. And um, that is a scary feeling. And, and you don't really know what that truly feels like unless you have have this experience, right? You can say, oh, you could do it, but you don't really know what the loneliness feels like. So acceptance has probably been the hardest, most challenging thing for me. We can feign forgiveness to look good in the eyes of society, but that doesn't necessarily mean we have really forgiven. And, and why should we forgive parents who consciously choose to hurt us? conscious it's conscious it's purposeful right um it's it, they don't deserve that from us they deserve to not have a relationship with us so right i think that healing this is very hard right and then if you're still connected and you're gonna go see them for the holidays you know definitely buy my book because there are some strategies in there that can really help you know, there's three different levels of contact that I tried and it was worthy to try all of them because I do know today I tried everything and um, there's nothing more to try that is worth my self-sacrifice anymore. The sacrifice of my worth, my self-esteem, I'm not going to sacrifice that ever again. It's just so sad and, and isolating the situation that you're describing, especially in your case with oh, yeah. parents that were horrible and probably shouldn't have even had wolves, let alone children. But totally you right. also had a damaging, you know, sibling relationship. And, and I wanted to touch on this because I don't hear a lot about how toxic that can be, a, oh, a damaging sibling relationship. Because a lot of times if you do have horrible parents, then the siblings tend to be close and you have that other person, someone who understands and shares that experience and knows what you've been through, but you don't even have that in this case I did as I did as a child when we were surviving it together we were very close but um and, and and but he was our roles in the family see toxic parents pit their children against each other so at some point he was the big star and as I became more and more successful it was just probably a threat to his position and I think that they would use me, I know that my mother did, like if my brother wasn't calling her enough, she would then brag to him about me, I'd never know, and almost threaten his position as the star of the family. And in doing that, it just put a wedge between us for him, not for me, because um, I've always been very proud of his success and who he's been, I still am. My last words to him were, I love you, and his last word to me was classic. So you know, wow. whatever. And but is there a, a large age difference? I, 
No, three years. Three years, and and I don't think he has been without abuse at all by my family. I think he was just manipulated in a different way. And the golden child, as I put in my book, doesn't ever really escape the family dynamics. I don't think my brother uh, feels great about my parents or our childhood, but he does need that golden child position for his sense of worth. That's my belief from everything that I've studied. And because I never got my worth in the family like he did, I questioned the system. And so I don't know how he would feel about his worth if it wasn't mirrored to him all the time that he's such a big star, right? right. I don't know that it's from within him where my worth now is from within me. So I can't see, he, he, like other golden children, he, he won't, I don't see him escaping this. Maybe if at the time of their passing, but what I've seen as I've uh, been an adult is that he has taken on many of the toxic traits that we were raised in. Wow. So, and it's been how long yeah. since you've had contact with, with him and with your, your parents? So contact, she's, uh, I was 42 when I cut ties with sibling and brother and my mother for about eight weeks, but I had another tragedy at that point in my life. It was a horrible year and I reached back out to my mother. So I haven't had any contact with my brother since I was 42 and I'm 48, but I have not seen him in person since 2006. Wow. And, but yeah. I mean, in moving forward though, I guess the, like the silver lining of that is you've been able to move on to create your own family with yes. people that you choose, you know, you, you choose your friends, not your family. You know, we've heard that. Um, so you have yes. been able to, you know, create some wonderful relationships and, and move yes. on from that situation. Now, an yes. interesting thing about this, though, that that you address in the book, you know, the challenges of dealing with with guilt feelings when someone is dying or has died. And it, I mean, yes. in your case, you know, if, if you heard, you know, tomorrow or this week or something that that something happened to him would how how would you handle that situation you know at this point there's he became very active in um the scapegoating of me once we were both out of high school and um you know gosh can i really know i don't i don't really know how it feel with him i'd probably be more sad with him but i don't have any guilt i've never been mean to him i've i don't have anything to feel guilty for all I'm doing is protecting myself from allowing him to scapegoat me with my parents. That's all I'm doing. Like I didn't cut ties because I want to harm any of them. I've cut ties only to protect myself from them, from them harming me, right? Um, I would feel sad for him in the sense that I, if he died now or got ill or something now is that he never got to be free of this toxic family like I did. I would feel sad for him in that way. Um, my dad has been largely more out of my life than in, and I, it's hard to say what I'll exactly feel when my mother dies, but I will certainly know that I didn't cause her death. <laughs> she's going to she's gonna go through that, but I, I don't foresee myself uh, being at her aid, or if a deathbed call comes in, that deathbed call will not be for me. It will be for her to assuage her guilt before she dies, and then... I would sacrifice myself again and give up everything I've worked so hard for. And it would feel like she got away with all of it. 
And um, I'm not going to do that to myself. I don't sacrifice myself for toxic people anymore. I don't care who they are. Right. I so you've gotten to that point. You've gotten to that point. Of, that. Yeah. Wow. That that point of strength. Yeah. Because I can see what you're saying where that, that toxic person would use that as a weapon. You know, that's their final blow before they totally. leave this earth. Um, well, and you know, toxic to leave people you with love that. their illnesses. You know, they're especially toxic females. They love their illnesses. That's a way to make sure they're in control and the center of attention is by always being ill. And I grew up under that, under my mother, and it was just maddening, maddening. Everything, something was always wrong with her. She's always at a doctor. And and then if you ever don't do what she wants, it's like, I'm sick and you're not even helping. Like, it's just crazy, right? So she's done a number of just crazy things in hospitals, you know, because she's there all the time. So um, I feel... I feel like I will feel some relief maybe, but I did ask the question a lot, what would I do? And you know where that question came from was really not about my discomfort with cutting ties with my toxic family, but trying to explain this to people who just don't get it. Like, how could you not take that call, right, on the deathbed? Right. Because it can flip and make you just look so cold-hearted and they don't, Death doesn't change people. Death doesn't change people, right? Think of Whitney Houston. Death didn't change her. You know, right. um, all these people that we could look to, she just comes to mind. But death isn't going to make my mother, uh, my mother a nice person. She's going to meet death like the rest of us meet death. It's, it's how do you explain that to a society that, that believes that when someone dies, they're going to change, right? And it's... She's had years and years and years to work things out with me. So she'd wait till her deathbed. Isn't that kind of a F you anyway? <laughs> right? Like, right, right. The big dramatic. To work yeah, this the out big with gesture. me. It's just dramatic and manipulative. Right, right. That's and so interesting. And to make me look like a horrible daughter again on her way out. Right. And you mentioned that in the book where like you said, the outside world looking in because they haven't experienced and gone through what yeah. you've, what you've gone through to them. They're like, Oh, wow. you know, I, I can't believe that person, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't go to their mother's side. But, but like yes. you said, she, some people aren't going to change. They didn't change up no. until this point, And that, that experience will be used as just a further manipulation. Yeah. Um, and you know, the other wow. thing that works against someone like me is that, you know, my parents have income and my mom has run charities and superficially she's very charming and, 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 and attention seeking, just like many toxic people are. But there are many people who know her superficially. They're like, Oh my God, I love your mom. Right. So it's not like she's an addict. It's not like she's homeless. It's not like she's pillaging me for money she, to the outside world. She, she looks like a great person. And so I read a book recently called Educated. This is about a woman who was raised by a survivalist Mormon dad who was bipolar, who was so toxic, so abusive. But her story, they didn't educate him. They didn't believe in education, government, water, electricity, right? Her story is so surreal and out there that when she chooses to cut ties and she was on Oprah, it's like everyone goes, oh, absolutely, you should cut ties, girlfriend. Yes. But here my mom's running charities, and they're like, I love your mom. 
So it right. is harder when there isn't this obvious indication that who she was inside the home was very different than who she was outside the home. Except that I've had many people in the past, you know, six years kind of tell me stories about her as well, that that fit. But they're not survivalist, bipolar Mormon, right? So I don't get quite the support that other people would. And that's so many of us, Diane. It's like there's so many of us that have a seemingly normal family from the outside, but what's going on on the inside is just toxic and horrible. Right. We just don't know what's going on behind closed doors with with yeah. anybody. And and that and you're right, that is so insidious and so painful when you're going through this experience and you're not getting, you know, any help or support or even a little a little sympathy. And people are seeing this one face of someone, but they're not really yeah. seeing the real person. That, yeah. That's and what just it did for me is it made me go, it has to be me. It just has to. I, I am either misunderstanding my mom or it just it just has to be me. And I continued to blame me because the secondary abuse that I went through on, what do you mean? Your mom, surely she didn't mean it like that, right? Like one time my mom said to me in front of a group of people, don't worry, honey, someone will marry you. <laughs> and I was like, well, why uh... did you say it like that? She goes, oh, I'm just, I'm just trying to reassure you. Changed her tone. Like... I can't prove that, right? Wow. And people don't want to believe she'd actually say that. And so when I was hurt over that, because that was very hurtful, this other mother said, I really don't think she meant it that way. I'm and you're like, thinking, oh, yes, she did. <laughs> okay. Oh, yes. But you had the same reaction I did until she gaslighted it and made me look crazy, right? So... There is that, and I deal a lot of that in the second book on how to deal with secondary abuse, people who probably have very good intentions towards you, right? They don't want you to miss out on having a mother or the possibility she could change, or you should just forgive her. She's your mom, as if this gives her an excuse, right? Um, does, it didn't give Ted Bundy being good looking, didn't give him an excuse for raping people, right? So it's just amazing what we will do to justify family. And I understand the concept, and I believe that when families are healthy, I understand the, the family-strong idea. But when the family looks good from the outside and is poisonous on the inside, which, by the way, I see in my office all the time, and um, you feel crazy because society looks at what you have and thinks it's perfect, and then no one believes you. You're not validated in the family, and you're not validated outside the family. And you understand, too, the you know, the, the desperation and the longing and, and the wanting of, you know, what, what you're hoping that it could be. And that's, I guess, where the gaslighting comes in, where the family member yes. convinces you it's not them, yep. it's you. And then just the cycle, you know, continues yes. to go for years. I was but, continually I mean, told I was too sensitive. Right. It's you. You're too sensitive. It's me. But but you've begun to heal and, and you and your healing journey, I'm sure, like you said, will continue, you know, for, for the oh, rest yes. of your life. But but people that are listening, I mean, first of all, I hope that anyone who, who if any of this rings true, you know, please pick up Dr. Sherry Campbell's book. Uh, because I really enjoyed it. It really opened my eyes to um, mm -hmm. to a lot of things. But the good news, like like as we're coming to closer to the end of the show, like I want to leave people with, look, there is re there is redemption. There is so hope and a hope, possibility. Yes. 
you know, to heal for yes. yourself and to move on to have a happy life. So, I mean, when one is in the situation and, and wants to take the steps to heal these wounds, I mean, contact you or, or someone like you, a qualified therapist, and definitely sure. get, get yourself into therapy, right, would be the first step. Absolutely. Get yourself into therapy and read my book. I read so many books on toxicity because not every example in every book fits what your experience is. But if you can read enough, you're going to find it. But at the end of the day, what this this is this is something that you are doing for you and your livelihood, your life and liveliness. And you can't heal in an environment that's poisoning you and you can thrive in one that isn't. And the gift of the, the, the toxic family is that you become very clear on who's toxic and who's not really quickly. And um, your life is gonna be a lot cleaner than most, right? And be able to be lived a lot happier. I've never been happier. Um, I still have loneliness and I still have the grief because we all wanna belong in a family, but it's much more manageable to have this hurt than daily abuse. Right, I mean, I'm sure like Mother's Days and things like that, there's, yeah. there's that pang. You know you what? Know, I'm I mean, a great mommy and I have a daughter and Mother's Day now becomes me celebrating that I get to give my daughter everything that I didn't get, right? Without embellishing her in any way, keeping her responsible and disciplined, but that she and I are very, very close. And um, I celebrate who I was able to become through all of that. I went from victim to victor. You know what I mean? Yes, I was victimized. But I don't have to be a victim. And that's what this book is about. Is it's like, you can rise. You can, and you should. You deserve it. Right, and you can you can be happy. And oh, gosh, let yes. go of the, the guilt and shame, yep. all of those horrible feelings. And also know that you're able to break that cycle, that chain of, of horrible abuse. I mean, that you, you should be so happy of the relationship that you have with your daughter and you know how how healthy that is so that you know that will never happen she will never go on to have a horrible relationship with her, her children no never no she won't and and she's so intuitive about people watching me and being my daughter going through this right and um oh my gosh she just she has a confidence in her that i know i'll never naturally have but I know that she has that because she has a stable lifestyle with me. And I've been divorced, right? So it's like her life has been perfect. And I married a toxic person who was a lot like my mother. And once I figured that out, I got out. And I haven't been married again since for 10 years, 11 years. But um, I'm in a very healthy relationship. And she's seen me and others. But she's my number one. So it's amazing how much change parents can go through whether they're in the military and moving or they're married and divorced a couple times, which seems to be common now, if you're stable for your kids and they're your number one priority, they will be okay. They will be okay. And, and even, and you saw, you know, what you brought through into your relationships from going through this, you know, and hopefully she will avoid those pitfalls in her future romantic relationships, you know, hopefully not yeah. picking you know, controlling abusive people or, you know, people that are liars, yeah. not who they say that they're going to be. So that's a reward in yes. itself for sure. This, this yes, has been so fascinating. Yay. I'm so glad. I so appreciate you having <laughs> me on. And it's, 
it is, it's a topic that, you know, can heal so, so, so many people. And there is a way, and I, I feel blessed that in many ways I was chosen to trailblaze this path because many books will talk about toxic family, but they really won't allow the idea of cutting ties. You know, you have right. to tolerate and that, it. And that's okay. And no, you don't. No, you don't have to tolerate it. You don't. And you show that it's possible to move on and yes. thrive. And I just think that this is so important. And I'm so glad that part two will be coming out as well. And yes. do you do, so do you do talks? And I mean, you, you have an active practice right now. You're, you're based in LA, yeah. right? I'm based and in so Orange County, actually. The, but what I do and... is I have a Facebook following of well over 110,000 people. And I blog every day on this topic. And I do videos every Thursday on this topic. So Perfect. that's just SherryCampbellPhD.com. And Sherry is S-H-E-R-R-I-E. Campbell like the soup. And people can find you on Facebook and, and join in and, and share their yes. stories. Yes, 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 yes. And I'm going to be coming out soon with a private Facebook because I've had that request many times. Uh, that will probably be a little paid because it's going to be more work for me. But um, so that they're not following me and another family member is following me so they can't really express themselves. I've had this comment a lot. So, And then I'm looking at doing an app as well. So lots of stuff in the work. I also have a six module course I just filmed on this book that you can take me home with you and listen to the course as often as you want. Well, that's great news. And share your website too, so people can find you there. Yes, it's drsherrycampbell.com. Um, and everything, all my social media is there too. So you can just click on those icons and it'll link you up there. So Perfect. there's lots of good stuff there. Well, you are doing such important work and I'm so happy that I was able to share this with all of the Unity listeners and all the people that will download the podcast later. Thank you so much for joining me today, but it's your family. You don't have to take it. Dr. Sherry Campbell. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Michelle Phillips, a celebrity makeup artist, beauty expert, self-confidence coach, and Hay House author. My podcast, Beauty and Beyond, is the place for women navigating the challenges of the aging process. Listen in for my professional advice, as well as my expert guests, as we share valuable tips, practical tools, and empowering resources to help you not only look amazing, but also live an amazing life part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and available wherever you get your podcasts.